Have you ever wondered to yourself when to add new team members? When's the right time? Is it now? Is it later? Hi, I'm Shannon Waller, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. On the show today, we're going to explore the two main, if not maybe the two only reasons to add team members. And you're going to find out whether or not now or later is in fact the right time for you. I remember giving a speech not that long ago, and one of the questions that came up, because I'm someone who's passionate about entrepreneurial teams, and I tend to get questions about this all the time, is, Shannon, when to add new team members? And it was a great question, because I'm kind of used to talking about teams when people are already there. There's a great answer to that question that came up in a strategic coach workshop the other day, and the answer is this when you need to be leveraged or when your team needs to be leveraged. A lot of us tend to think, you know, okay, I'm full up, so now is the time for me to add a new team member. Yes, and I'll give you instructions at the end about, you know, kind of how to go through that thinking process. But there's a whole other aspect about when to add new team members or new leverage. Again, they can be internal, they can be external. There's lots of ways of adding team members these days. And that is when your team needs to be leveraged, when they are full up. In other words, if you want to be free up to do more things that you're passionate about, to pursue new opportunities, to really expand your vision out into the future, make sure it's happening, then you may need to be freed up only by freeing up your existing team members. And thinking this one layer down is something that not a lot of people do. The other thing that we tend to think sometimes in our particular role that there's certain things we have to do. Well, in my experience, if it's not something that you are unique at, if it's not something that you love to do, if it's something that you procrastinate on, then probably you're not the best person to be doing it. You know, we talk a lot at Strategic Coach in our unique ability process about things at which you are excellent. These are things at which you have superior skill, but frankly, no passion. You don't love them. And even with things we're excellent at, we tend to put them off. We tend to procrastinate. And if you procrastinate long enough, something that you could do (laughs) when you had time, you tend to put off and put off and put off, and it turns into a mess. You know, you procrastinate long enough, we could actually say you're really not good at it because you simply don't do it or you won't do it. So if you have anything like that on your activity list of things to do, that is something immediately to look for another person. And I don't know if you've been following along with some of the new concepts at Strategic Coach, but one of them is called Who Not How. The basis of this particular model is when we have a bigger and better future in front of us and we're looking at where we are now, a lot of what's entailed in getting that bigger and better future involves how activities, like how are we going to do this? How am I going to find the time? How am I going to accumulate the skills and the resources and the know-how to do it? And immediately we get kind of de-energized because if we already knew how to do it, it would be done. We'd have that bigger and better future. If you instead move along to what we call the who, then you think, okay, who do I know or who can I find who knows how to do it? So we have, we like to play with this concept. It's called whoing you up and how can you be hooed up? And we call them hooed up hours as you free yourself up. And we wish there was a whoville that we could go to to go and find these people. That's a whole other story, aka Dr. Seuss. So the whole point here is that you start to get really resourceful. Instead of trying to fill up your own skill bank, most of us have lots of things in our backpack that we're really capable of doing, and we could put in the long time and long effort, but if it's not where our brain's going to go anyway, it makes way more sense and takes a lot less time if we find someone who is, in fact, unique at doing that. 
So that whole process of finding people who are naturally skilled and talented or have years and years of experience doing something that would be very hard for us to duplicate, it makes sense to bring them on board with you, to get into a partnership, you know, to do a deal with them and see how they can contribute their talents because they love doing it and you don't, to actually accomplish your bigger and better result. And you do the same thing for other people. You're the how, (laughs) you're the who, really, for some other folks. But in other areas that things that you want to accomplish, there's lots of things that you frankly have no business doing. So this is the process of how you get this done. It's really identifying what gives you energy, what doesn't, what makes sense to learn, what makes sense to outsource to someone else, and then engaging people with that. So that's when, when you need to be leveraged, that's when you want to go and find a new person, a new who. But again, as I said earlier, I want to stress that one of the biggest issues, and this is something that we tend to have blinders on if we're an entrepreneur, if we're a team leader, we don't always recognize when our team, in fact, needs to be leveraged, when they need to be freed up. And what this has to do with is when they're getting swamped, when their brains are full, when they max out, when they don't have any more capacity. And so we may think, oh, well, I don't know if I really want to add someone to my team. I manage enough people now. I don't want the complexity. And we go, oh, no, we'll just struggle along. Well, you don't need to do that. You actually just need to get someone underneath your that person and free them up, get them an associate, get them a who. And then all of a sudden, they're freed up. And you can go back to that same level of productivity and partnership that you had earlier. And this happened more recently with my colleague, Nicole. We work incredibly closely together. And by the way, it's taken five and three quarter years for her to get full. (laughs) But her big brain, you know, finally enough has happened and we've expanded the business so much that she is at capacity. So the recognition wasn't that I need to be freed up so much, is in fact that she needs to be freed up. And I'll talk more about that in a future podcast. Really interesting to make sure that you look at freeing up your team. You may be completely fine with the people that you have around you, but you also want you to kind of raise your awareness a little bit about the fact that your team may in fact need to be leveraged too. So the two main results that you're after are what to trigger, you know, when to hire someone is when you need to be leveraged or when your team needs to be leveraged. So that's good. Now you know when. But the next question is exactly what are these people going to be doing? So here's my suggestion in terms of how you can take action on this. Number one, write what we call it, coach, an activity inventory. And if you'd like to kind of work through a process to figure this out, by all means, check out the activity inventory in our amazing knowledge product called Unique Ability 2.0 Discovery. And in it, Julia Waller has created this amazing notebook that walks you through the whole process. One of the first steps is to do what we call, as I said, an activity inventory. This is simply a list of everything that you do work. So it's things that you do daily, things you do weekly, things you do monthly, even things that you do yearly. And then if you want to take a really rough cut, you would go, okay, what gives me energy? and what doesn't. (laughs) That's a great distinction. If you want to fine tune it a little bit more, it's like, what am I really good at? And that gives me energy. We call that you for unique. What am I excellent at? Those are the things at which I'm really, really good. Don't love them. I can get burnt out on those too. It's more brownout than burnout, but that's how that goes. What are the things you're merely adequate or okay at? We call that competent. And what are those things at which you are incompetent? Most people don't love that word. However, if you know that you're unique at some things, it's also perfectly fine to be not unique (laughs) at other things. So this is what we call incompetent. And that's where you put in the time and effort and you don't get the results. 
It's frustrating, depletes your confidence, it's not fun. As I said, you put in the time and effort and nothing happens. That's me trying to change a car tire. Turned out I had the jack upside down. Yeah, that didn't work too well. So when you take a look at your list, you know, it's very clear that you want to actually keep and probably do more of those things that you love to do and are best at because they're creating value, obviously, for other people. And the immediate low-hanging fruit, the thing to find a who for immediately is anything at which you're incompetent. Because frankly, if you were putting the time and effort in and not getting the result, by definition, you are costing yourself and the company money. This is not a profitable activity. Please stop. And you can work hard and try and get better. And sometimes we do, but it probably doesn't sound very instinctive for you or very natural for you. So that's immediately, no one on your team, yourself included, should ever be doing anything at which they're incompetent. That is costing you money. Then the next place to look is competent. Because if you're competent, other people are too. There's a lot of competition. And you can definitely find someone who is at least excellent. My goal is that everyone lives all of their work life and hopefully their home life too, in excellent and unique. You know, if you can be on in our model, in our exercises, the top half of the page, that is a good life. And the more you can anchor that towards unique, the better. But sometimes you have to free up time and mental energy by getting rid of those things that are in fact holding you back. And what I found really interesting when I take a look at incompetent activities is they might take up not that much in terms of percentage of your time, like five or 10%, but they can take up 50% of your brain. And then you don't have your fabulous brain available for the more fun things, the more productive things. So really take a look at your daily activities, your weekly activities, your monthly activities, and take a look at it from the standpoint of whether or not you are unique excellent, competent, or incompetent, and then immediately take action. And obviously your team can do this as well to get everyone out of their area of incompetence and competence. You will immediately dramatically raise the productivity level for yourself and for your team if you do that. And another quick insight into this, because I've done this with numerous teams over the years, and that is that people would color code on post-it notes. They would color code the activities, what's unique, excellent, competent, incompetent. And what would happen is people People would take a look at the wall, because that's normally where we would put them, and they would pull off things that they would not mind picking up from someone else's incompetent or competent list. And it's kind of amazing because there really aren't that many sticky notes left over. And whatever is left over is what you make into a job description, could be a part-time person, maybe a full-time person. But it's kind of amazing. Often the talents you have already on the team are there to pick up those things that other people don't like doing or simply aren't good at. So, you know, you may be worried like, oh my gosh, it's going to cost so much money. I have to pay so much for team members. Well, first of all, anytime you spend money on people, it's an investment not a cost. Never, ever treat people as a cost. We try to minimize costs. You don't want to minimize people. You want to invest in people. Now, some investments are better than others, (laughs) like most things, but you want to look at something. What can I put in that it's going to grow? And investing in people is the best. So when you are hiring someone to leverage you, that's a massive investment in yourself. Fantastic. You know how to maximize an investment. What can you do with your freed up time? What can you do with your freed up mental energy? Are you going to use it for rejuvenation? Are you going to use it for money making? You know, are you going to use it for creativity? I hope your brain is brimming with ideas. And the same thing is true when you free up your team. All of a sudden, they'll come to work with fresh energy and perspective and ideas and efficiencies. Like, okay, this is how I want to be working. So that simple exercise of an activity inventory and then people sharing and collaborating with one another, 
You'll be amazed at what people can pick up. One of my favorite examples was working with a team. One person had to kind of evaluate how people were doing on their roles, and then if they weren't being successful, have those sort of accountability or come to whatever you want to call it meetings with her. And it turned out that she was quite happy kind of assessing people's success. The conversations she didn't like having were, you're not doing well. And someone else piped up only because we were talking about it. She said, oh, I don't like doing the analysis, but I have no problem having those conversations. So guess what? They partnered up. One person did the analysis, the other person had the conversations, and on they went. So a major source of stress went away for someone. She didn't think anyone else would ever want to have those types of conversations, but her colleague said, oh, I have no problem with that. I just don't like the analysis of it. Well, that's a nice match made in heaven. I love that. Sometimes the least expected thing you can get off your plate and someone else really enjoys it where you don't. So anyway, I'm just excited about the opportunities for you to really leverage yourself, leverage your team, and also answer the really, really critical question, when do you hire someone? When do you need to bring in new team members? And again, it's when you need to leverage yourself and when your team needs to be leveraged. So I hope this conversation has inspired you. I hope it's validated how you've done things in the past. And I hope it really answers the question, when do you hire someone new? When do you bring on a new team member? So thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know at questions at And as always, here's to your team success.